Hey, what's up? It's another episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean with you as always. And on today's show, we are going to tee up the Raptors game against the Utah Jazz tonight with a couple of interesting matchup and statistical tidbits. And then we are going to be joined by Kelsey O'Brien and Dwayne Notice of the brand new West Side Stories Raptors 905 podcast to talk about the early part of the Raptors G League season and the joy that is having the team back in Mississauga after not playing in Canada last season. We're going to dig into a whole bunch of different things, individual players, big picture stuff about the 905. That's all coming up on today's episode after we tee up Raptors Jazz. Stick around. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1060 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Wednesday? Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, November the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube. So please consider following and or subscribing and uh, as always make thank you for making us your first listen of the day here at locked on uh today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at mcdonald's proudly serving companies since 1965 that is uh, mcdonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty affordable food it's an unofficial community center a big thank you to our friends at mcdonald's for always being there i'm loving it all right on today's show we are going to tee up the Raptors game against the Utah Jazz, sort of adding on to what we discussed yesterday with Joe Wolfon in the final part of yesterday's show, which you should go and listen to if you have not yet, because it was a great wide-ranging conversation about the Raptors. Uh, so we'll tee up the Jazz game with a couple more little tidbits here, and then we're going to welcome in Kelsey O'Brien and Dwayne Notice from the new West Side Stories Raptors 905 podcast to talk about the early season uh, developments for Raptors 905. We'll talk to Lionel Banton, Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua to the G League. Who's to say? That's all coming up later on in the show. But first, we should talk about Raptors Jazz as the Raptors take on the Utah Jazz in St. Salt Lake City. St. Lake City? Salt Lake City tonight. And this is going to be a really fascinating test for the Raptors. You know, I, again, this has been a running bit for me all season long. I find every Ra Ra Raptors matchup to be interesting because... They're such a weird team and they have bizarre matchups that are produced because of how weird they are and how much they have, you know, kind of thrown positions out the window. And so lots of different teams pose interesting matchups. This Jazz team is a really fascinating one. And it's a little less fascinating, unfortunately, if OG Ananobi is not available. Of course, he was ruled as questionable for this game yesterday. We, you know, this might change as the podcast comes out and you hear it in the afternoon. But either way, at the moment, unsure if OG will be playing in his revenge game back in Utah after nearly fighting Rudy Gobert last time. And we all know what happened after their last game in Utah. Um, but I, I am really intrigued to see if OG is going to play because I think having OG really changes the way the Raptors are going to be able to approach this game. And I think, frankly, without OG, they're not really going to have much shot of winning this game because I think he's super essential to how they're going to have to play defense in this game. You know, we've talked a lot about how the Raptors play hyper-aggressive and how they like to play hyper-aggressive to charge their transition offense. And hey, they've been the number eight offense in the league per NBA.com, partly because they get in transition so freaking much off of that aggressiveness 
but there's always that balance you're trying to find, and certain teams are going to make it a lot more difficult to find it, and the Utah Jazz are one of them. The Jazz have not shot terribly well from three this season. In the last 10 games, they're just 33%, and they have kind of had a lot of guys going in and out of slumps, yet they're still the number one offense in the NBA at 113 points per 100 possessions. They're terrifying, frankly, and yes, they've stumbled a little bit lately here, but it's mostly been tied to their defense and not their offense, and frankly, as much as their defense has not been amazing, I don't necessarily trust the Raptors' half-court offense to pick apart the Rudy Gobert-led Jazz half-court defense, especially if OG is not going to be available. It's pretty tricky to see a pathway to winning if the Raptors don't have like a really sound, excellent defensive game plan in this one that helps them charge up their offense. That said, I think the best way to defend this Jazz team, if OG is available, is to be as conservative as possible and not sell out to get the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands and force you know the rotation that the Raptors have been in and not really succeeded with in the last few games here as their defense has slid down in the defensive rankings. They are now, at the moment, let me just double-check to be sure, they are now 21st in the NBA in def- defensive efficiency. And a lot of it has been because they're just not ready. They're not on the string enough. Their chemistry is not there enough for them to really execute Nick Nurse's hyper-aggressive and rotate defense. And so with this Jazz team, I think you got to dial it back significantly here and hope that your offense can maybe get by enough, I suppose. You know, there are some reasons to believe that they might be able to scrounge out some points against this Jazz team, even with Rudy Gobert as the backstop. You know, I think Pascal Siakam has always owned the Jazz. He just continues to not be phased by Royce O'Neal and whoever else they throw at him. And I think OG as well stands a chance of really bothering this Jazz team if he's available. But again, I think on defense is kind of where it all begins because I, I think they have to play a more relaxed style of defense here. What I would do if OG is available is I would stick him on Rudy Gobert. I would stick either Scotty Barnes or Gary Trent Jr. on Donovan Mitchell. And I would be very okay switching every Mitchell Gobert pick and roll. You get OG switched on to Donovan Mitchell, which I think he's their best on ball guy who can kind of corral those bigger guards. Uh, you know, I don't really think. Pascal Siakam has the foot speed right now. He's still kind of getting back up to speed. And Scotty Barnes has had a lot of trouble staying in front of smaller guards. We saw it in that game against Portland on Monday. OG has a track record of staying in front of, of guards who are quicker and who can kind of, you know, with their dynamism, the dynamism throw you off. I think OG switching on to Mitchell is the smart thing here. It'll be, you know, pretty easy to line up that arrangement. And then, yes, you're going to have either Scotty Barnes or Gary Trent Jr. switching on to Rudy Gobert in those pick and roll actions. I think I'm okay with that. Yes, Gobert is probably going to eat. He's going to be an easy-to-find target in the pick-and-roll. He's going to have little floaters he can put up over the shorter defenders. But I think if you're kind of daring Rudy Gobert to be an offensive threat, that's probably the best way to derail things here because of what the Raptors do really well when a big man is going to work. They obviously have Fred Van Vliet, who's maybe the best in the NBA at digging and taking the ball away from bigs as they try to post up. You've got, of course, the long, lengthy reach of Siakam and Scotty Barnes. OG as well. And I just think having the offense flow through Rudy Gobert just because you're daring it to happen is probably the way to try to do this. And he's not someone who's going to take it to smaller guards all the time. He's not really a post-up threat all that often, especially if you're sending to his way. And maybe that's the way you can incite some turnovers here, as opposed to, you know, running off of missed three-pointers and forcing steals when you're trying to get those high passing lanes. Maybe this is an opportunity to try to funnel the action towards Gobert, send to his way, and force him to make reads. And he might make reads, but I would rather him making reads 
than Donovan Mitchell making reads or Donovan Mitchell going to work alone. And I feel like OG switching on to Donovan Mitchell as often as possible is probably the way to try to stifle Mitchell in this game. Obviously, if OG's not available, things become a lot more difficult. And I frankly don't know how much of a shot they have of winning this game uh, because you're probably going to be starting Ken Birch in that case. You know, you might start Ken Birch anyway here. I still presume they're going to start small because the Jazz are a team that you have been proven in the past by the Clippers last year, for example. That if you throw in a big small ball lineup, which the Raptors right now probably have the closest approximation to what the Clippers were able to throw out last season with Marcus Morris at center and all of that stuff, I, I think. I would start small again if I'm the Raptors here and bring in Birch later. But if there's no OG, then you're probably going to be forced to start Birch. And that could be kind of tricky because as much as he's been a good guy to switch out and, and find you know success guarding guys on the perimeter, I think Donovan Mitchell might be a bit too much of a task for Ken Birch, who of course has been a little bit labored and slow since he had that knee swelling that kept him up for a few games. So very interesting stuff. I also think the rebounding battle in this game is going to be fascinating. The Raptors remain the number one team in the NBA in offensive rebounding, 33.5% offensive rebounding rate, which is truly ludicrous. They are 2.6 points ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies, the same as the difference between the number two Grizzlies and the number eight Orlando Magic at 28.3%. Uh, so yeah, like the, the offensive rebounding game is going to be huge here. The problem is the Jazz also very good on the offensive glass and it just, you know, they've been number five so far this season, 30.4% offensive rebounding rate. Their defensive rebounding rate is way above the Raptors right now. The Raptors have fallen all the way to number 21 in defensive rebounding rate. The Jazz are at number nine. And this is going to be a really difficult game for the Raptors to game that possession battle in a way that works for them. Because again, if they're playing a hyper-aggressive defense, I think they're going to get burned and get be giving up a ton of you know, open looks for three. And I, I don't really want to make, you know, test to see if the jazz can kind of heat back up here. This is not the game you want to do that. The Raptors in the past have been a bomb for Porsche three point shooting teams. I don't want to see that be the case. And so again, you're going to probably need to really crash the offensive glass to gain that offensive rebounding edge, but the jazz are really good. They have Rudy Gobert. He's going to tidy up those boards it's going to be a really interesting sort of battleground in this game. And I'm really fascinated to watch it because again, lots of advantages, I think for the Raptors in this one, you know, if they can find ways to get Siakam and OG, if he's available switched on to guys like Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, I think they stand a chance to really go matchup hunting and have some success, but that's going to really have to be executed at a super high level because of just the baseline level of defense the Jazz provide and the constant struggles of the Raptors half court offense. You know, hopefully we see, a little bit more refinement and a little bit more of the chemistry that we saw kind of building in that game on Monday against the Blazers. But this is going to be a supreme test for the Toronto Raptors, even if the Jazz are not playing terribly good basketball of late. Uh, that will be it for the opening segment here, though. I uh, just wanted to offer a few thoughts more on the Jazz game on top of what we saw, talked about yesterday. Uh, we're going to get now into the conversation with uh, Dwayne Notice and Kelsey O'Brien from Rap West Side Stories, the new Raptors 905 podcast, talking G League, talking 905. Obviously, it's a really nice thing having the 905 back in Toronto or Mississauga, I should say, this season. And we dig into all of it from the big picture stuff to individual players and how they figure to make their mark on the 905 and perhaps the Raptors this season. That's coming up in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one place for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball 
baseball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, and not baseball postseason anymore, baseball futures, next postseason, like when the Blue Jays win the World Series. You can bet on that right now if you want. Uh, either way, down to your favorite Vegas casino games. You don't have to wait, and you can take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season right now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, let's get to it. Myself, Kelsey O'Brien, Dwayne Notice from the West Side Stories podcast talking Raptors 905 as their season is just about a week old. Let's get to it. All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors from the brand spanking new West Side Stories podcast, a pair of returning guests to the show, uh, one of whom I believe like has done a live Locked on Raptors in the past, so uh, like a Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore style guest in one of them. Uh, it is Kelsey O'Brien and Dwayne Notice from West Side Stories. Kelsey, Dwayne, thank you so much for being here. It's lovely to have you both on the show. Uh we're going to talk 905 today and, and dig into, you know, the return to Mississauga. We'll dig through the many players who could figure into the Raptors' plans this season. But, Kelsey, I want to start with you. You know, last year was weird. Last year, there were no games in uh, Canada, of course. They played in the bubble. It was a 10-game abbreviated thing. And the guys that you'd figure were going to get a lot of run down there didn't end up getting a lot of run down there because the team got COVID and everyone had to be called back. And so... Kelsey, I mean, you've been covering this team for years and you do a wonderful job, of course, over Raptors Republic. I'm just kind of curious now that you've gotten to sort of know the franchise, know what it's all about, know the value that there is for guys to be involved with the, with, with the team. Like what, how much of a setback was it for the 905 not to be in Mississauga last year and to not have a full season to do their 905 development thing? I think it was a huge setback, not only because um, they, you know, crunched, 10 games into like a week but mm -hmm. it just it, from that point it's a very um strange and probably not the most useful development when you're trying mm -hmm. to cram an entire season into two or so weeks mm -hmm. so they didn't have time to kind of feel each other out they didn't have time to figure out what works because you know 24 hours later you're doing the same thing and then selfishly it was harder for me because i don't get to know the guys the same way that i I sure. do when they are in Mississauga. Yeah. So it, it was yeah. very different. It was definitely felt like you were covering from the outside. Yeah, totally. And Dwayne, I, I want to kind of go to you with this one. I mean, you've been part of that development program with the 905. You played two seasons there from 2018 to 2020. You know, I, I'm curious for you, like just thinking about what, it, how difficult it might've been to soak in all that you learn in a 905 season in that condensed time like you know what would that experience have been like had you been part of that team of course you were recovering with your Achilles last year and so you weren't down there but like can you speak to the impact as a player to not get that full season of development what obviously a lot of these guys are at very important parts of their careers development wise yeah I mean that's the you know one of the main reasons that a lot of players want to join the G League is because they want to get that exposure first but they also mm -hmm. want to get that development, that skill development, learn how to play the right way so that they can maximize their potential to, you know, play in other markets, whether it's overseas or in the NBA. So I understand how extremely difficult it is as a player, probably being someone that loves to be in an environment with fans and um, be able to be around like your home fans and have that mm -hmm. energy. It's kind of difficult being in the bubble. And like Kelsey said, cramming, you know, like 10 games into just one season <laughs> is very difficult. The turnaround is extremely fast. You have to be really uh, diligent with your scouting report, and it's hard to establish chemistry. And then as a player, I mean, for me, um, playing for 905, they have a great relationship with the Raptors, the parent club. So just having the resources being taken away, um, not mm -hmm. being able to go to the OVO center, um, 
and get to you know experience the chefs and uh listen uh you know have that practice space and and, and be around the the weight room and all that kind of stuff you're, you're being crammed down in the bubble i don't know what their situation was over there because i wasn't there but just not having that you know that ability to have those resources i think is, is huge on a player and just having that um that impact on their game when it comes to basketball not having the OVO center cookies around, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big loss. That's a big loss. Uh, Kelsey, I want to ask you, you've been around the team now so far this season. Uh, what's Patrick Matumbo's general demeanor like getting to actually coach a real season? And like, does he feel like he's happy and just like, oh, hell yeah, I finally get to do the job for the first time? I think so. Yeah, he's yeah. he's very personable. But at the same time, he is, I don't want to say tough, but he, he knows <laughs> he's very clear on what his players, what he expects from his players and what they should expect sure. from him. So it's not like the prior seasons when they had Jamma, who was very like, very soft and approachable. Matambo is very approachable, but he's also going to say, you know, we blew out the, we blew out the Westchester Knicks. We had 26 turnovers. Right. So he's always riding on them to be better because he knows that they can be. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, the, I think we've seen like quite a few different, uh, coaching strategies deployed down there in the 905 between Jama, Matumbo, like Stack obviously was his very own. I'm just going to cut a check for a G. I recall that. Uh, <laughs> what a king. I, you know, I want to ask you, Dwayne, about Malachi Flynn in particular. We're going to run through some guys, uh, you know, in the next segment, kind of digging through, you know, through, you know, the, the, the assortment of guys who are playing down there right now for the for the Raptors. But Malachi Flynn got barely any G League time last season. He is obviously finding it difficult to get into Nick Nurse's rotation right now. Is there, and you know, I think there's honestly sort of like this growing sentiment that, oh, well, you know, Delano Banton's here now. So maybe Malachi Flynn's old news and it doesn't really matter because Banton's six foot nine and he's the point guard of the future. But I am curious, like, is it unfair to kind of jump to any conclusions about Flynn at this point, Dwayne, because of the lack of development that he got? I mean, I think he was kind of penciled in last season under normal circumstances to be a 905 hand more than anything else and he just never got that shot like do you think it's fair to maybe sort of recalibrate your expectations for when Flynn might kind of reach that potential you're hoping to see based on the fact that he lost that development yeah I think that you hit it right on the head there I think that we should all recalibrate how we're kind of thinking about that situation because it's unfair and nobody could have predicted the whole COVID situation the pandemic so he wasn't able to get a fair shake at being able to have his development and be able to expose himself properly and be put in the best environments to kind of help himself get better so that he can help the Raptors um, in the long run. But, you know, he's a tremendous talent. Um, I think that he's going to find his way. He's going to catch his rhythm. And um, for him, it's just about being professional. Um, you want to be the best player you can be. So it's on you now to be in the gym, working on your craft, getting that extra time in so that when Nick Nurse finally calls your number, you're able to produce um, no matter how little the minutes are or no matter how little the role is you're able to produce and show something similar to what Delano is doing right now so that um, in, in other situations and opportunities, you're able to play longer, play more and have a um, more productive style of basketball. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, when these opportunities come up to go down to the nine five, take them, you know, yeah. like Delano was asked if he wanted to, Justin was asked if he wanted to, whether Malachi was asked or not, I'm not sure, but if you're given that opportunity, take it. And you know, yeah, so players also like to 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 actually ask for that. If if mm -hmm. I was a Malachi Flynn, I would actually go to the organization and say, "Hey, I'm not playing a lot up here. Is it okay if you guys send me down?" Um, I know a lot of players that do that, and then maybe that'll boost his confidence and get his reps up. Because, like Kelsey said, um, when you're able to come to the G League and get those reps up, which is longer than ten games, 
and kind of establish yourself, then it has a, a tremendous effect on your future. Yeah, Dwayne, I'm curious about that because, like, there's, I think, probably less so now. I think absolutely less so now. But there probably has been this sort of, like, G League stigma at times in the past, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't want to go to the G League. I'm a first-round pick. Like, what am I doing? I think, you know, the way the Raptors have very clearly uh, used the 905 as a means to get dudes paid has probably, uh, you know, changed the thinking on that, I would guess. And so... When it comes to Flynn, you know, how do you kind of approach that? Do you think, like, with a, like coming in from the player's perspective, how would you sort of like? Is there a way Flynn could go about sort of you know looking seeking out that opportunity? Or you know, I, I just I find it an interesting sort of balancing act with like you know got to manage egos and all this stuff. Like, how do you think you could see that situation playing out with Flynn? Like, if they were to come to him. Like, what would you like to see with Flynn? Like, would you like to see him just like with the 905 for an extended run here? It's, it's such an interesting thing to me is kind of managing that ego side of things. Yeah, I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with it. I, I wouldn't even, you know, be opposed to seeing him down here for, for more than a couple of games at a time, um, whether it's a week at a time or, you know, 905 doing that whole two games in a row thing, whether it's he does that, you know, twice in a row or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. But he definitely should get some reps. He needs to, um, you know, I think that, as a player, it's always good when you have every opportunity possible to put yourself in a scenario to be better. So for him, it, whether it's exercising humility, I'm not saying he's not humble. He's probably an amazing, humble kid. But for me, I would just be as humble as possible and literally go up to Masai or anybody that's in charge around there and say, listen, I want to play. I want to get better. So if you need to send me down, send me down. And I think there's always been that stigma of the G League being, you know, not as good. But there are some dogs in the G League. Everybody is fighting mm-hmm. for job so the g league is actually a very polished league with a lot of older men with a lot of young guys with potential a lot of skillful players so you're getting talent from everywhere so it's not one of those things like you said where it's ah i gotta go to the g league i'm too good to be down here because if the case was true if you were too good to be down here we wouldn't be having this conversation you'd be playing in the full rotation and stuff like that so i just think it's about embracing the challenge embracing the role of wanting to get better and just looking at yourself looking within looking in the mirror and saying hey if this is what i have to do to get better this is what i'm going to do Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I think the dream scenario for the way this season plays out is they maybe send Flynn down and get some extended run with the 905, use the next little while here to maybe show off Dragic a little bit, try to flip him for something, because that's very clearly what the goal and intention here is, that I I think you're going to have to play him at some point in order to get him that exposure to make him a, a worthy trade asset. And then once you're able to flip him, maybe January, February, then you bring Flynn up and he's just your backup guard. Uh, I think that's kind of the way to go. I do want to talk about some guys who have kind of changed the plans a little bit, in particular Delano Banton, who I think was going to be a 905 hand all season long at one point, but that does not seem to be the case anymore. We're going to get to that in just one second here. But first, I just want to give you a heads up that on tomorrow's show, we will be talking about the Raptors game against the Utah Jazz. So be sure to tune in for that and make it once again your first listen of the day. Kelsey, Delano Banton. Uh, he is Toronto's favorite son. Uh, no offense, Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> no offense, I'm, a, I'm he, playing the GTA. <laughs> he is uh, playing pretty regular minutes with the Raptors at this point and seems to be a guy that Nick Nurse loves. Nick Nurse has talked about, uh, like, basically begged for criticism for not playing him more, which is an interesting way to go, but it's already happened. Um I'm curious, Kelsey. I mean, we saw him go down to the 905 last week and put up 39 and seven, and like you know, on triple double watch and all of that stuff. Very clearly, uh, good enough to be in the NBA in the rotation that that he's sort of established himself with so far. 
Do you think there's like a little sort of hint of disappointment that he's not going to be a 905 hand this season if you're Patrick Matumbo and the coaching staff? I, I know they're always happy for guys to get in the NBA, but how has the Banton sort of emergence in the NBA changed the original plans for the 905 team, do you think? I mean, I can't speak for um, Patrick, but yeah, I'm disappointed. I was disappointed the first time he stepped, court, stepped on the court in the NBA. I was like, okay, well, there goes my 905 dreams for Delano Banton. <laughs> But he he said it to to us post game. He said, "I just love to hoop. So any yeah. opportunity he gets, he's going to go down there. If he's not getting minutes with the main club, I can expect to see him down there." And the good thing about Delano is he fits in the system because he doesn't think that he's too good to be in the G League. You know, he put sure. up thirty points, but he also put up nine and seven, and that's that's a very rare stat to see for someone from the NBA to come down to the G League. It's usually thirty points and nothing else. <laughs> because they're there and they're there to do and prove that they're not supposed to be there. But he was there because he wanted to. He wanted the team to win and he played good team basketball. Like he can fit anywhere. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a really, really cool story. And I think that does, you know, the reason that I'm kind of all right with the idea of Flynn going down there is because Banton's not going to be, you know, you would assume down there for a regular, you know, he'll be down there for odd games here and there, but he won't have a regular stint, it doesn't seem. And so why not give Flynn the keys of the offense and just let him play 35 minutes and score 30 points a game like he did in a couple games in the bubble last season? Um, let's flip around some other guys here. Dwayne, I want to ask you about David Johnson, uh, kind of the forgotten two-way man because, of course, uh, you know, people love Delano Banton. And you know, I guess he's Banton's not a two-way guy. It's Champagny and, uh, and Johnson are the two-ways. But either way, Johnson, the forgotten of the two second-round picks, I suppose, in comparison to the Rexdale boy. Um, I- I'm curious, Dwayne. What have you seen from David Johnson? It's just been two games, obviously, but obviously, you know, there, there's you get the word on how things are going in training camps and all that stuff. What do you sort of envision for David Johnson here? And is there something about him that kind of makes him an intriguing prospect to you? Yeah, there's a lot about him that makes him an intriguing prospect. Uh, for me, especially when watching the game with Kelsey, those two games, it's like he sets the tone right away. Um, mm-hmm. You see how athletic he is. He's able to impose his will on the rim. He's always taking great shots. Um, if you're going under the screen, he's going to shoot it. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if he's not open, he passes it. I see to me, it's like, he makes the simple, the right reads and he plays with conviction. He has a lot of intention. Um, and then he defends, you know, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, you have Jawan Evans, you have uh, Noel, um, and some other guys who take defense really seriously. And I think David Johnson is one of those guys who are fighting through screens. They don't want to switch. Uh, he's picking up 94 feet. Um, he seems like his attitude is, is amazing. He's a great teammate. He seems like he's coachable and ready to listen. Um, and, and those are all great intangibles to have as a player. Um, especially being a two-way when you're trying to look to to, to make a permanent stay on the on the on the parent club. Yeah, and let's flip again to the other two-way guy, Kelsey. Justin Champagny, of course, has gotten a little bit of run with the NBA team this season as well, and does kind of figure to fit the whole vision six foot nine thing. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, what have you seen from Champagny so far, and what do you think kind of makes him pop as a prospect? Well, we've only seen one game from him, and. Right. Um, I kind of got a different vibe from him than I got from Delano or from Isaac Bongo, which is he didn't want to be there as much as the other two did. And it was kind of, you know, the Champagne show, but that's something that can be corrected. So if he's going to spend any amount of time with the 905, I feel like they will correct that fairly Mm -hmm. quickly because, you know, that game didn't need to be as close as it was the game that he did play. But he does he does have an enormous potential. It's just the coachability if he's willing to, you know, 
take those licks and spend time with the G League because no one is on a two-way contract because they're going to be a permanent part of the rotation. You know, you're right. you're there to get better so that you can become a permanent part of the rotation and you have to be willing to learn. So Dwayne, to that point, you know, we were kind of talking about this in the last segment, but I'm curious, like Champagne was this kind of guy in college where he was like the center of the universe on his team, right? And I could understand going from that role where you are the sort of be all end all to the G League where you're very clearly just like fighting for a spot that might be tricky. Like, can you speak to, I mean, you were a pretty prominent player on your own college team. Uh, you guys had some success, I guess. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, what can you kind of speak to in terms of like the difficulty of making that adjustment from being such an important key cog on a college team? Well, I think it's imperative to understand as a basketball player, where you're, wherever you're from, you're always going to have a history of being the guy, whether it's yeah. you are the AAU team, your high school team, whether it's on your university team, but every team you play on, you cannot always be the guy. Um, it's very rare that that's the case. If that's the case, then you're probably one of those top people, players, superstars, Hall of Fame sure. type caliber players. So as a basketball player, you have to understand to be able to adjust. You have to be able to understand how to embrace your new role and be a star in your role. Um, like Kelsey said, when you come down to the G League, you want to not treat it like a chore. You want to treat it like I'm here to get better. It's an opportunity. And I find that a lot of guys, especially playing in the G League um, myself, is that when they come down, they want to prove that they don't belong there. So then they try to assert themselves a little too much and they play outside of the offense that may be as expected. They don't have the chemistry, they don't pass the ball. And then they get frustrated, they start shooting more shots and they start playing outside of what they're really um, capable of doing. So if you just stick to the basics and um, play within the team concepts, then you'll shine because you'll help the team shine. And within that, like the Raptors will see that, you know what, this is what he's doing in the system. So we trust him to do it here at this level. So that's one of the things I would suggest for a guy like Champagne is when he comes down is just to play his game, not try and do too much um, and, and do what you're capable of. And, and from there, everything will take care of itself. Yeah, that's Makes why a lot of sense. We're, so, yeah. we're so impressed with Isaac Bonga. Because he mm, came yeah. down. Yeah, was my next question. Yeah, go yeah, off. He's got, he's got <laughs> NBA experience, but he comes down and he plays the system and he does what he's capable of. You know, he has a hot hand, but he doesn't try and shoot through it when he doesn't. He would have, right. you know, 20 points in a quarter. And then the second he would kind of slow it down and facilitate more than he would try and score. So he's he's the kind of player that you want to see. And you you kind of see something in them because they don't come down and they don't treat it like their own, you know, personal mixtape. They go down, they help the team, and they're there to genuinely improve. Right. Yeah, not like that Dwayne notice. That guy. I lastly here, I wanna this is kind of like a maybe a spicier opinion I've had about what the Raptors should do with the 905 this season. Um, you know, there's 13 guys on the main roster who have gotten minutes or are deserving of minutes in some way, shape, or form, I think, at full health. Precious Achua has had some difficulty. He's had some rough shooting lines. He's kind of, you know, still figuring out the speed of the NBA game. I kind of want to get both of your thoughts on this. You know, there's I this is, again, one of those ego questions where a guy who's been starting for a large chunk of the season, you know, can he, you know, be convinced to go and play in the 905 and kind of embrace it all? The way I've kind of looked at it is this could be very similar to the Pascal Siakam rookie season situation where he starts like 38 games and then they realize, you know what, you probably should go season yourself up in the 905. And in the long term, it really, really helped him, obviously. So, Dwayne, we'll start with you. Is there an argument to be made that Precious Achua, who's only in a second year, so there doesn't have to be like a permission given by him to be sent down, 
Do you think there is something to be gained by sending Precious Achua to the 905, despite the amount of the amount of time he's been given at the NBA level so far this year? Yeah, I think I think there would be some benefits to it. Um, like we mentioned earlier, like some of the Delano um, Blanton is very good at. He's, he's a hooper, and hoopers yep. love to hoop. So yep. if you send, if you get, if you have the opportunity to be sent down, um, if you embrace it, um, you can only get better from it. Now it's a different mm-hmm. situation because Precious actually gets time up there. But like you said, Pascal kind of set the precedence for what could happen. So mm-hmm. if the team kind of shows Precious that, look, this is what we do to Pascal. He started 38 games. We sent him down. His development got better. And look what he's become. Then it could kind of show you that you have trust in the organization to kind of follow the same suit. So hopefully they can kind of use that in the argument to kind of help him out. Um, if he's willing to, to to be productive, then he'll come down. Um, he'll get some minutes. And he'll sharpen up. Plus, we just seen the surge of Baca in the G League. We seen that we we Stevens <laughs> in the G League. Like yeah. I, I, when I see when I see things like that, I I think that no Hooper should be too prideful and and, and have too much ego to want to get down there in the G League and play his basketball. Then they are getting better. Kelsey, yeah. your thoughts? I mean, well, even like Dwayne's last season with the nine hundred five, we had Stanley Johnson come down quite a few times, and he was what right. an eighth overall pick. Yep. yep. So yep. you can never stop getting better. And I think with Precious, they didn't need him in the trade. But he was not the one piece they were holding out for and saying, you know, we don't want Tyler Hero, we want Precious. Mm-hmm. Because he's this bona fide superstar. It's because of the development that they they can give him. It's because of the raw talent that he does possess. Because he mm-hmm. is a very, very talented player. He mm-hmm. just needs to fine-tune a few things. He just needs to get his court vision better. He just needs to get his timing a, li- a little more precise. And he has that potential, so I think it would be it would benefit both the team and Precious as a player, no matter what his future is, for him to go down. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think like the minutes crunch, the fact that they're playing small and there's not really a ton of backup center minutes available. To me, it makes almost too much sense to try to convince him to go down. Again, everyone's different, and everyone will accept that uh, ask in a different way, but. I think for me, Precious in the 905, A, would be, I think, good for his development. B, imagine the dunks. Like, he's a, yeah. he's already, like, throwing down huge jams in the NBA. I feel like he could be one of those guys who goes down to the 905 and is just, like, hilariously good and just, like, more physically imposing than anybody else on the floor. I'm rooting for it to happen, and uh, I'm rooting for Dwayne and Kelsey to come back on the podcast sometime. This was awesome. Uh, Dwayne, Kelsey, uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, Dwayne, where can people check out the podcast? And then I will throw to Kelsey to plug other stuff. Yeah, West Side Stories. Uh, Kelsey and I just started a podcast. It's going great. I'm loving the process. We're going to be covering 905 and everything basketball, uh, covering the G League, um, and just having a great time, um, you know, trying to – trying to uh, educate the fans and um you know hope you guys can follow us there and for me just my social doing notice um you could just look me up on instagram or twitter so excellent kelsey anything you got to promote outside of the podcast outside of the podcast no i mean you can find all my 905 coverage and most of my raptors coverage at raptors republic you can find me on twitter at kelsey underscore lately and yeah check out the pod and let us Go know do what it. you think yeah, I really uh, can't recommend enough. Everyone who covers the 905 does a wonderful job, but Kelsey is the OG, frankly, and yep. uh, everyone should yeah. go and support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that will do it for today's episode. I won't make Kelsey cry anymore. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow talking about the game against the Utah Jazz. That'll be a ton of fun. Uh, huge thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Fantasy Basketball as Josh Lloyd is covering everything about the fantasy basketball world for you to help you win your leagues this season on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. Same as Locked on Raptors. Please support, subscribe, tell a friend, rate, review, all that good stuff. And find us on YouTube. Uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Enjoy the game against the Jazz. Bye-bye.